Today's conference will be on the precious blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I, I heard that Ken and Tallarico already gave you a little sermon. So hopefully he didn't, probably did. But he'll probably, or probably repeat some things that he said. But kind of a little history of the, pre- the Feast of the Precious Blood of our Lord. It was um, instituted by Benedict XIV. Um, Benedict XIV was kind of a, he was a very liturgical pope. He actually was one of the few popes. We know Benedict XVI as, as a pope wrote books, but Pope Benedict XIV wrote books as pope. He wrote one book, uh, which is very good. Um, it's called the, uh, the Feasts and the Celebrations of the Liturgy, or something like that, I can't remember the Latin term. But where he, he, he talks about the different feasts and he gives a, a spiritual explanation, a historical, and it's very good. So he, um, he was a very avid um, lover of the liturgy. And so he was the one who had this feast created, quote-unquote, or written, um, just as Pope um, Urban III had um, St. Thomas Aquinas write the Feast of the uh, Corpus Christi. So he had that, uh, so we're looking at the 18th century, early 18th century. But the f- that wasn't on the universal calendar. And the universal calendar is something where it's celebrated all over in all the different churches of the, the Western Rite. And so that didn't happen until August 10th, 1849, when uh, Blessed Pius the Ninth um, made it for all the dioceses of the, of the Western world, um, just a couple note. It was, um, if you remember, ben, um, Pius the Ninth, Blessed Pius the Ninth was was captured or wasn't captured. He um, he fled. Uh, that was Pius the Seventh who was captured. But Blessed um, Pius the Ninth fled Rome because of the invading armies. Um, he fled to Gaeta, which is a, a town. In just outside of Rome, to flee from the uh, invading armies, and he, and he, the priest who accompanied him um, was a saint. Um, uh, oh, sorry, yes, yeah, Saint Gaspar del Bufaro, uh, who was part of the um, <laughs> congregation of the Precious Blood, and he asked Pius the Ninth, "Well, make a, a vow that if you get returned to Rome, that you will make a, a feast of the Precious Blood, or make it universal." Well, he didn't take the vow. He says, I don't need to make a vow. I'll, I'll do it anyway. And so he, he made it on, so on August 10th, 1849. And, and then on April 25th, 1934, it was given a higher ranking, so a uh, higher ranking on the liturgi- liturgical calendar of the church. So it's still January, oh, sorry, July 1st. And one other little notice, the litany, which you recited at the end of Mass today, was actually written by St. Gaspar del Buffalo. It's... Um, it was written by him and wasn't made a public, quote unquote, devotion until John the 23rd. So 19, um, 1962, 63, it was made public by him. Doesn't mean that it didn't exist before, but it was approved publicly for the public recitation. So uh, we're going to focus obviously on, on the Feast of the Precious Blood, the devotion to the Precious Blood, which is kind of, quote unquote, modern. Just because it's modern doesn't mean that... Um, it never really existed, but as a church um, grows, just like the Feast of the Sacred Heart, it's not that those in the third, fourth century or St. Thomas Aquinas didn't have a, um, uh, a foster a love for Christ's heart or for Christ's humanity, but you'll see as the church uh, grows, her devotions grow, and sadly it's because, because of a need and we'll see, you see in the Sacred Heart where uh, the Blessed um, uh, Sacred Heart told 
uh, St. Uh, Margaret Mary that why is he coming now? It's because of the coldness of mankind, the coldness of mankind who has not responded to his call for love. And, um, was, uh, and so the Feast of the Precious Blood is, a con if you will, a continuation of the devotion to the Sacred Heart. Um, remember also June, consecrated to the Sacred Heart. July is consecrated to the Precious Blood. And so um, we'll see the importance of this feast. And we looked at the real questions. Um, why the Precious Blood? Why did our salvation have to be brought in such a way? Um, and um, how the death and, and the fusion of his blood of, of our blessed Lord, actually, how did this accomplish our redemption? So the word precious designates something of great price. St. Peter is actually the only one who actually talks explicitly about the precious blood in sacred scripture, the precious blood of our Lord. The Psalms have many allusions to it, and of course the Old Testament, but we'll get to that in a bit. But St. Peter, in 1 Peter um, 19, talks specifically about the precious blood of our Lord. St. Paul, who we heard today in Hebrews and also in 1 Corinthians 6.20, talks about being bought by a great price. That great price is the blood of our Lord. And we know that blood is holy. We know it's precious because it is the blood of a God-man. Remember that it's the hypostatic union which makes our Lord and makes Christ, everything that he did is holy. Everything that he was is holy because of the union between the divine and the human. And so in theology, we call all of Christ's acts theandric acts. They are God acts, for he is human, but everything that he is just the vessel of the, div the divinity. Or he uh, is using the human nature um, as a result um, to, or sorry, using the human nature, the divine nature through the human nature to sanctify it. And so everything that our Lord did was holy. Uh, every, every bit of him was holy. So from his hands to his feet, to his head, to his, his hair. But the blood of our Lord in our, the heart brings out a special devotion. And we'll make a distinction. Um, so uh, talk about the material aspect and the formal aspect of it. And some people might object saying that the, the precious blood of our Lord is, is just something material. It, just like the heart of our Lord is just something physical. Why do we have a devotion to the heart? Why do we have devotion to the precious blood of our Lord? And um, uh, we see that we don't have a devotion to the heart itself. It goes deeper than that. Yes, because of the hypostatic union, the heart of our Lord is holy. The, the blood of our Lord is precious because... It is holy. It was united to, to God. Um, but it goes deeper than that. Because the work of redemption is centered around the soul and the spiritual acts of Christ. So some people might still object, well, then how can a material thing, how can the blood of our Lord, um, how can that truly be at the heart of Christianity? And we talked about the hypostatic union, how it's made the precious blood holy, but it's, it's much deeper than that. It's not just because, because then everything is holy. In other words, eyes, his ears, yes. But why is the precious blood, why does it bring out <clears throat> um, this great um, devotion? And so we'll make a distinction. Devotion to precious blood has two objects. The one is material, and the other is formal. The material object is the blood itself, the, the blood of our Lord. And the other is formal, and that formal aspect is, 
is the reason why this blood is so honored. It's the cult which we render. It's the love of our Lord. He shed his blood for us out of love. So um, the formal object is this religious love that we have for our Lord. As we, the more we dive deeper into meditating on the precious blood, we see that it was spilt for us because of God's infinite love for mankind. God in his infinite wisdom willed this for us to understand. If he would have just, you know, he, he's all powerful, he could have said with a, a, you know, one little will of his that we all be saved, um, or with only one drop of his blood, or one drop of his sweat, we could have all been saved. But no, he wanted to truly drive the point home of, of that infinite love for mankind. And so we're, we're, we're material, and so we need a material thing to kind of get our attention. We are spiritual, but sadly, we, um, unless we have something material in front of us, we don't recognize it. We don't uh, understand it. So the devotion to the precious blood is the total self-sacrifice of our Lord. Um, and nothing, we say that in our common language, nothing expresses more um, explicitly and, and, and um, profoundly love than blood. When someone says, you know, oh, I... I shed my blood for him, speaking figuratively, my blood, sweat, and tears. It means they, they gave their all for someone. You know, I gave my blood, sweat, and tears to, you know, give my family a, a good house, good, whatever it may be, to, to foster for something good. And the blood, we know, is that, that life. Without blood, we can't uh, live. And so this, um, the blood we see of our Lord, it's, it's holy for that reason. It's gives us life, it gave his whole body life, but more importantly, it gives us life, and not a physical life, but eternal life. We see that it nourishes all of the human body. We know if you lose so much blood, you, you can't live anymore. I'm not, a, I don't, what is it, four? How many pints of blood do we have in our bodies? Is it four pints? Four pints. Six? I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. So six pints. Um, uh, I don't know how many you need to, or how many you lose, in or essentially that you cannot have uh, organ functions. But our Lord, and we'll talk later, dropped every last drop of his blood for us. And we remind, St. Paul reminds us, and we heard that in today's um, liturgy, but Christ, being come a high priest of the good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with his hand, that is, not of creation, neither by the blood of goats or of calves, but by his own blood, entered once into the holies, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and of oxen and the ashes of a heifer being sprinkled, sanctify such as are defiled to the cleansing of flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who by the Holy Ghost offered himself unspotted unto God, cleanse our conscience from, from dead works to serve the living God? That's Hebrews. And so the, the blood of the Old Testament of the sacrifices of the lambs, of the, of the calves, of the uh, young um, cattle, was a prefigurement for the sacrifice of Christ. And uh, the sacrifice uh, is the highest act of religion possible. It's um, a true sacrifice, is offering of a visible object, something that is yours, that you give to another, that you offer completely to another. But a true sacrifice has uh, a certain destruction or change in the object. Um, the tr this transfor tr transformation 
means that God has absolute dominion over all and that man is dependent upon God for all. In the Old Testament, we see the, the sacrifices were offered to God. When they were, um, once there was sacrificed, the blood was sprinkled onto the, those in the, um, in the tabernacle or into the, the temple. Then the priest would eat of the, the lamb or whatever, whichever animal is being offered. And then whatever was not eaten had to be burnt, had to be completely annihilated. This was all for God. Nothing was left. Our participation, the priest's participation in the consumption and, the, if you will, the, the I wouldn't say faithful, but the, the, the Jewish people's participation in being sprinkled with the blood, that was their participation in the sacrifice. It touches us. The blood, um, which is a sacrifice we offer to God, touches us and cleanses us. Um, but the blood which comes from the sacrifice is a sign of this transformation of the object. And so that's, let's see, well, the, the, Jewish's, the, the Jewish people's participation of it. Um, but it wasn't only just a sign, but a participation. So when sprinkled with the blood, it was something external, something physical. But it's the internal aspect which is most important. And we'll talk about the internal aspect of Christ's sacrifice, how it was perfect. But in the Old Covenant, um, when we were sprinkled with blood, it was an imperfect sacrifice. Even though God was pleased with it, the perfect sacrifice is that of our Lord. And we'll, we'll see the true difference because one being just animals and the other being the God-man. And the difference between that and our Lord's is we see in what he did for us, this passion and his death. So the slightest suffering, each single tear, each single step and grief and sigh of our Savior sufficed since all his acts and sufferings were of infinite value on account of the infinite dignity of his person and consequently they were infinitely meritorious and propitiatory before God. And yet, even though one drop of blood, one sigh, one sacrifice was of infinite value, he went even further, and our Lord poured his out his precious blood in streams, so to speak, lavishly in the seven mysteries which he poured his blood out for us. The circumcision, the agony, the scourging, the crowning with thorns, the way of the cross, the crucifixion, and lastly, the transpiercing of his sacred heart. He did this for love of God and love of man. Christ poured out his blood for us piously, fully, and bitterly. He poured it out piously when you consider the cause, why he did it. The cause for the effusion of his precious blood was pious, because it was shed out of a most fervent charity, out of which he willed to suffer for us. And that's the main difference and the essential difference between the two sacrifices. The sacrifice of the Old Testament was only external. The, the calves, the animals didn't, couldn't say, okay, I, and they probably refused a little bit once they were tied up and they were getting gorged. Um, but Christ is the opposite, and that's why the, the, the lamb, um, the innocent lamb is a, a great uh, image of him. If, I don't know if you've ever dealt with little lambs. Um, they're nice. They're, they're, if you put your hand on their, on their shoulders, they don't move. They're so um, timid. As soon as you get your hand off them, they'll try to go away. But they're so, um, as soon as you put your hand on them, they kind of like freeze. 
Um, so that's a perfect symbol of our Lord. His, of course, they're not willing to, uh, like our Lord was, to, to sacrifice himself. But that humility and that, um, that almost passiveness uh, of their, of their uh, ascension to, the, uh, to, to their death. But our Lord willed it. And that's what is completely different than the old sacrifices, is that our Lord had that internal sacrifice. And so a true sacrifice is both internal and external. And that's where our own sacrifices have to be. Yes, we can have external sacrifices, but it's the more important is the internal and, and our participation in the, uh, in the external. So it was poured out fully, if you consider the measure, because he shed all of his blood in order that not, what, not one drop of blood remains. We, our Lord died, and after he died, remember we read that in today's gospel, a soldier uh, pierced his side with a lance and water and blood came forth. Meaning that everything that was left in him, he got rid of. Is it in, of course, his precious blood, but it's symbolism of his love. Even after he died, he's still going to go and shed some more blood for us. He's still going to go that extra distance, that extra, um, those extra, that extra pint, that extra little bit of blood that was remaining in his sacred body. He was poured out for us. He poured it out bitterly. If you consider the nature of his loss of blood, how great the nature and association of this blood in the sacrifices is noble and precious. But how great visibly were his injuries, and consequently the pain inflicted and the sensation of these pains were most bitter. But also, more importantly, if one considers how the body of Christ was most delicate, it was the most precious thing ever created, because the Holy Ghost was its author and it was formed in the virginal womb of the Blessed Virgin. It was the most pure thing, the holiest thing, and yet was whipped, was scourged, was, died for us. And that is, um, if you will, the most bitter thing um, when something most pure is, if you will, destroyed, um, uh, beaten. So we talked about how sacrifice is not merely external. And that needs to be that internal assertion, an internal assent to the external offerings. And our Lord was perfect. Um, and when we meditate on the precious blood, when we meditate on any devotion, um, we don't just stop at the material thing. We don't just stop at the heart of our Lord. We don't just stop at the precious blood of our Lord and say, okay, well, he spilled every drop of his blood. But what are the implications of that? What is it? He didn't do it um, just as a mere symbol. He did it to show us something. We talked about the great love of our Lord for us, going all those lengths. Um, but more importantly, when someone spills everything, that means internally they're all for another. And our Lord um, gave everything for us, and as a result, our own life has to be everything for our Lord. And um, his model of sacrifice, his model of um, passion that he, he lived, the passion that he died, um, all this, the sufferings that he endured for us is none other than a, a, not just a symbol, but a model for us. And we know that we're not going to, um, we're not going to probably die martyrs. I say that often, um, but we have to nonetheless participate in Christ's sacrifice. And the best way to do it is the participation in the Holy Communion. And the, sadly, in the, the new rite 
this feast doesn't exist, the Feast of the Precious Blood. And um, many of the bishops were against it because they're two separate mysteries. For the Corpus Christi, we're celebrating or, and commemorating the Eucharist, the sacrament itself. Today, we are commemorating the precious blood, our Lord who spilt his blood for us. Yes, the precious blood, of course, is in the Eucharist. We don't deny that. But it's the means that he, um, that he died, that he suffered for us in order to gain that sacrament. And that's what we're commemorating today. And so um, when we receive Holy Communion, another, that's the best way we can unite ourselves to the precious blood. That's the best way we can call upon the blood of our Lord, uh, Lord upon us. We, um, if you remember in the Passion, it's only in Matthew's um, uh, portion where he, the Jews cry out, you know, let his blood be upon us and upon our children. And if you remember back um, when the Passion came out, the, I think it's actually still in there in Aramaic, but a lot of people got up in arms saying, oh, this is, um, the, this is horrible, you know, that's because the Jews, this is against the Jews. Why would, you know, they take that out because it's anti-Semitic. But in fact, even though the, the Jews, they were not calling out the blood of our Lord, they were calling out in a certain sense in vain, but it's a, almost sense a certain prayer. Let this blood be upon us and upon our children. What else were we sanctified with but the blood of our Lord? And we should call upon that, upon our families, upon our, our children. So even though it's not at all a um, scandalous to say that let this blood of Christ be upon me and our children. In fact, you know, our hands are stained with blood for every time we sin. We've, we've whipped our Lord. We've crucified him. We've caused him to pour and shed blood for us. Um, so if we've caused that pain, that suffering, that bloodshed, how much more do we need to be purified with it, be cleansed with it? So a great prayer to call upon the, um, the blood of our Lord to sanctify us, to purify us. And a couple, um, which you recited at the end of, um, at the end of Mass today, uh, the litany of the precious blood, you know, the blood of Christ, price of our salvation, uh, in St. Paul's epistle to the Hebrews, he talks about, you know, we're not, it's not the blood of ox or, or, or um, lambs or gold or silver, but the precious blood of our Lord that we were redeemed. And so that's what we need to call upon, um, remind, us, remind our Lord that he died for us. It doesn't, he needs to remember that. He knows it. But when we, in a certain sense, remind him, we remind ourselves. Say, Lord, you know, I was saved by your blood. Help me. Um, and as a result, blood of Christ without which there is no forgiveness. If the, blood, if the blood of Christ is the instrument of our salvation, then um, without it, there cannot be forgiveness. The sacrament of confession, the sacrament of penance, is where the blood of Christ is used, if you will. Every time we receive absolution, it's the blood of our Lord, which we will mystically pours over us and wipes us clean again. Not just wipe us clean, but we're strengthened again. We're strengthened through the, the blood. It's just as... Um, in the Old Testament when the faithful were um, asperged with the blood of, of the lamb or whatever uh, animal, they were purified as a result. Blood of Christ, stream of mercy. It's the, the, our, when you meditate upon how our Lord uh, shed his blood, how our Lord dropped each and every last blood, how it just came out um, as in streams, it's a sign of God's infinite mercy. He didn't just shed a little bit or, you know, do it over a long time. The, the, uh, the pains of our Lord were um, unbearable. 
in fact, um, many saints, and it's very easy to say this without much, um, uh, anyone really be able to, to counteract it, but no one physically suffered more than our Lord. In fact, he was probably given extra graces to suffer more than, than, a, than human. He was probably, you know, in a sense, given uh, more strength to live off of less, of, of a smaller amount of blood than would kill a normal human. He probably, throughout his whole passion, shed each and every last drop of blood in order to, to show us the extent um, of his sufferings, but also the extent of to what lengths they'll go for. Because um, uh, this, the scourging would have killed any normal man. It's pretty uh, clear that what he went through, if you remember the passion of... Um, the Passion of Christ, the movie, uh, it was probably actually, it was more um, brutal than that. Uh, even though that was pretty brutal, it was probably um, more intense than the, those, um, than what was picked, uh, depicted in the movie. But not only is uh, the blood of Christ, we, sh we shouldn't um, become saddened. Yes, when someone dies, it causes grief, it causes sorrow. When we meditate upon the Passion, gives us sorrow, it gives us um, pain before we see what we've done, but also it should be our relief. And one of the um, invocations is blood of Christ, relief of the burdened. We are the burden because of our sins, but it, we know that it's the blood of our Lord who redeems us, that as a result, um, we're wiped clean, we're, we're given strength, we're renewed. And so we have solace, the solace. So the blood of Christ, solace and sorrow. So whatever difficulties um, we may have, that's when we need to call upon the blood of our Lord. Just as we call upon the sacred heart, most sacred heart of Jesus, you know, make my heart like unto thine. We can call upon the precious blood of our Lord to give me strength, give me hope, uh, give me um, the, what we need, whatever we need, what strength in our own sacrifices, our own um, crosses that we are bearing in order to truly participate in Christ's sacrifice. For our little things, our little sacrifices, our crosses, are, are nothing unless they're united to the one sacrifice. And that's um, what we should really get out of the precious blood of our Lord. It's that internal sacrifice. So the rest of this month of our Lord, uh, the precious blood of our Lord, um, let us focus on those internal sufferings that we have. It doesn't mean that it's only internal. We could have a, you know, have a physical pain. Um, but instead of complaining, instead of uh, bearing that um, wastefully, um, we uh, can use it to take the sacrifice and unite it with the, the Christ's. Um, I said it before, and I say it again. The angels always want to do two things, is receive Holy Communion and suffer. So these are two things that they see here below of, of, great, of great price. And a lot of times we take advantage of both of them, or we take advantage of Holy Communion, and we, and we shove off su sufferings and, and sacrifices. So um, let us be strengthened with Holy Communion and use that as means to offer up our little sacrifices, our little crosses. Um, but don't, don't daydream. Don't look at the, you know, the inf that's what our, we like to do is think of that, that great cross. So look at how great I'll be if I, you know, endure this, this, and this. It's often the little things are the most difficult. Um, you know, our, our neighbor, uh, our family, our, our friends, all these uh, are 
the most difficult crosses to bear the difficult, and we all know that firsthand. Um, so let us focus on them, and uh, I'll end with just a little, if you remember St. Therese of the Child Jesus, she um, and, uh, one day was, was praying piously in the chapel, which she did often, and there was another, um, probably a pious nun, and unbeknownst to her, every time she would pray a rosary, she would just rattle that thing uh, on the wood of the, of the choir stall. And so she, and she's praying a rosary, she's doing a good thing. But what something was doing was holy was, was driving St. Teresa, the child Jesus, up the wall, uh, just rattling. But she offered it up. Um, she didn't say, can you please stop that? I'm trying to pray. Uh, so she, she offered that little sacrifice, even though something like that, you know, someone just like you know, rattling, you know, every, every bead is hitting the, hitting the wooden pews, even something like that is, is of great, um, of great, uh, not honor, but great price in, in the eyes of our Lord. But it's that little thing that we, we take and we, we, ad, we embrace. Um, she could have, you know, she could have like just plugged her ears or, or hummed to herself, whatever. No, she focused in on that little, that little cross, that little uh, sacrifice and kind of uh, used that as a means to offer up her little uh, pouring out of self in order to unite herself with, with Christ. So when someone taps on their rosary on the pews or, um, or uh, whatever, we have, we have millions of uh, little things we can offer up to our Lord. So just remember to call upon the precious blood of our Lord, but also more importantly, unite yourself uh, with the precious blood of our Lord. Thank you.